Under the Hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Let's get it. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Ball runs. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears. Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. And a lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. DeMarc in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage, he came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, man. Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN-332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, also on Instagram, IGJHood, here on this Tuesday night as we broadcast live from our first Midwest bank studio. It's the way banking is supposed to be. We will hear from Ryan Hollins, NBA veteran analyst for the NBA on ESPN. We'll get his thoughts about a number of Things, especially all this movement and free agency in the NBA. And, of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you're a wrestling fan, stay by your listening device or tell someone that's a wrestling fan to listen in coming up at 935. We'll hear from D'Lo Brown coming up at 935 right here on ESPN 1000. Glad to have you in today. We're keeping our eyes on the Cubs and White Sox. With the game tied at one in the bottom of the seventh inning, Jesse Rogers is keeping us updated on what's happening with the Cubs and the White Sox. And, of course, a lot of free agency. Did you hear Al Horford? He was there in SportsCenter. Al Horford is declining the option. He is going to be a free agent with the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving could resign with the Celtics or could go someplace else. Right now, Irving and Horford are not Celtics, which tells me that the Celtics are one of those teams that will not be in contention for the NBA championship. After all the building that they did, now I'll take a look at that team. If those two are not there, there's two key cogs to that Celtics team. If they're not there, then you can cross them off the list as far as real serious contenders in the Eastern Conference. And then from there, the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers, they trade for Anthony Davis. They trade three or four really solid players, at least three players and a bunch of draft picks to the New Orleans Pelicans. And so what they're trying to do now is the Lakers are trying to, if they can, uh, move a couple of other guys that are on the bottom of that roster, like Wagner and some others, to be able to create cap space for one, for Anthony Davis to be there for the long haul, because right now Davis is in a position where he's there with the team, but he'll be a free agent in 2020. They want to sign him for the long haul. And then, if they can, they want to be able to have at least one plus another good, solid player. So who's that other player going to be? Because we continue to hear that the Lakers are this number one team now that they got Anthony Davis, and that's not the case. Uh, I think that they're, are, they're improved. 
I will consider them a serious contender in the West once we see a couple of things. The health of LeBron James and the health of Davis, who has not played a full complement of games during his time with the, with the New Orleans Pelicans or in the NBA overall. And then from there, trying to figure out, like, who else can it be besides those two in Kuzma? Who else will be part of this Lakers team? Is that Kemba Walker? Is that, is that somebody else in free agency? It takes more than just three players. It takes three or four players plus complementary pieces uh, off that bench for the Lakers. So I know that there's a parade for, in Los Angeles that the Lakers get AD, but there's more to that with this Lakers team. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So one of the talking points that I had for you talking about the trust, right, the trust that's there between the player and the executive. I was telling Jordan Cornett in our last hour that the power lies into the hands of the player, more so than any other sport, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball. The power lies in the hands of the NBA player. You know, the owners always want to play chicken with each other, right? Well, we're going to raise the... The ceiling here. We're going to be able to pay players this much. Now we're going to raise even more, and the salary cap's going to be even more and more and more. And so because of that, the player has been as powerful or actually more powerful than a lot of the owners in the NBA because of the, the, their production, what they can do on the basketball floor, what they can do off the floor. And so those things are, are factors for today's NBA player to the point where they say, you know what, you're not doing enough, I'll leave. Billy King from NBA TV was talking about trades, how they challenge the player executive trust. The toughest part is, I remember, I was trading Billy Owens from Philly, and I remember calling his house, and his wife answered the phone, and she says, have we been traded? Because generally, managers usually don't yeah. call their house. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I said, is Billy there? She goes, have we been traded? Mm. And, you know, so that's where it's heartbreaking. You, you say, yes, you ha- we have. And she goes, where? And I tell her, she says, okay. So then he gets on the phone, you talk to him. But that's the hardest phone call, no matter what, is when you got to call and tell me they've been traded. Yeah. Because you've built this trust and this family up. And now you're saying, hey, you're going to someplace. Sometimes it's for a better place for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, you know, they may not want to go to that place. But, and like I said, they've got a house. The kids are playing little league baseball or basketball, things like that. But it's that's the hardest because you get off the phone call, you feel excited. We made this trade. We get this player coming in. Now the reality sets in. You got to make yeah. that phone call. You got to, you know. And so you ask your assistant, you know, you can get them on the phone. You call them, and and the worst is when they don't answer. <laughs> you got to keep tracking them because you do have to set a, a time when you are going to release it. And out of all the years I made a trade, there's only I think there was one player that never called me back and never got a chance to talk to. Who was that player? Keith Van Horn. Yeah. Well, that should have saved that dime. It was just Keith Van Horn. But I, I will, I, you know, it's interesting, the dynamic between the executive and the player, because the last thing the player wants to hear is he's traded. Now, from Billy King's standpoint, here he's a better man than me. If the wife picks up the phone and she says, um, are, we, are we traded? And when you actually have business with the player, uh, I'm saying I'll, I'll call back later. I'm not going to go back and forth with you. On, on whether or not your husband's been traded or not. I'll talk to the player directly. But a better man than me, and that's why he's on NBA TV. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I just wouldn't have gone back and forth with you on that. Will Purdue was on the program yesterday talking about a number of things because if you're a Bulls fan, you see you hear all this talk, right, about all the other teams making moves, and you don't hear anything about the Bulls just as of yet. There's a reason because the Bulls could just stand pat at 7 
could just stamp at with their draft picks. And if they do that, that's fine. I have no problem with that. My focus is on how the Bulls can be healthier, how they can be a healthier team and a viable team in the Eastern Conference. When will the growth start? If you've planted seeds, how come nothing's come out of the ground yet? I think it's a, I think it's a fair question. Will Purdue, the four-time NBA champion, was with me yesterday. Uh, who would he take with the number seven pick? If you get to seven, all right, and what you have on the board is Hunter, Culver, and Reddish. I'm taking Reddish. I think he has a better upside. Now, when I say upside, we talk about potential. We know how dangerous that word potential is. If you want to take a guy that can play tomorrow in the NBA, I'm going with Culver. But if you want to talk about potential that could have the biggest impact, I'm going with Reddish because I think he has the body. I think he has the length. I think he took a back seat at Duke. And I think he's a guy that is at, in, at the right team with the right coaching staff could really shine at the NBA level. The, I'm not saying an all-star, yeah. but I'm saying a guy that's a quality contributor night in and night out. Will Purdue on with me talking about the number seven pick for the draft. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We turn to a man now to spend some time on first take this morning. With Shaquille O'Neal. You said you said uh, uh, LeBron James, the greatest player ever? Ever. What about Michael and Kobe? So you're just going to pass Kobe up like that? I'm going I'm to I'm pass Kobe up. I'm going to look at Michael. I'm going to look at the... <laughs> I'm going to look oh, at the... Oh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> Patron, America. Yo, yo. Patron, America. You, Kobe you... Bryant couldn't feel, or Michael Jordan feel LeBron's shoes. The impact that he's had with different teammates, would different you organizations... Mad? Would you be mad at me if I just walked off the you show? You can't leave. Hey, you, any are, you, circumstances are you aware that this man that has tripled type. and doubled Michael Jordan in assists? Assists make other players better now. I'm going to say one thing to you. So, Max, I don't know the numbers like you do. Michael Jordan is what in the finals? Six and what? Oh. And what is LeBron in the finals? That's all I got to say. Zach, how many did games did, game sevens did MJ go to? Zero. Zero. Hey, Zero. I'm saying. I, how many times did MJ see the Warriors, though? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Will you stop it? I'm, glad, I'm just Shaq, saying, though. Shaq, stop it. Shaq. He's going to beat the Warriors? Hold He's going to beat Shaq. KD, when Jordan retired. When Jordan yes. retired. No. <laughs> yes. They would run laps around that Bulls team, yo. Are you kidding okay, me? Okay, okay, let's go player by player. Let's go player by player. All right, point guard. Who you got? Point guard. You got Steph. Who's guarding Steph? Pip? No, Harper? I'm, I'm asking who. Yeah. Okay, oh, so, yeah. so look, look, look. Yeah, yeah Harper. Okay. Yeah, yes, Harp. Lock so he's going to chase Harper. him off the yeah. three. Yeah, of course. And then is. guess what? And then guess what? Um, so you got Steph, you got Clay, you got KD, you got Draymond, and we plug whoever at the five. Whoever. Mm-hmm. They're going to beat that team? Yes. Because not it? to mention they're not going to guard Rodman and they're doubling every time, MJ. Listen, first of all, you got to hit those threes. Oh, okay. Another they hit them. Another question. What era are we playing in? Are we playing in the big boy era where you can knock people on the ass or are we playing in this little cupcake era now I think they, where you can't touch people? These, I think Give they me an era. I think they win in both eras. Will you stop it? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Is Clay not tough? Clay couldn't play back Who, then? Whoever's paying him to say all this stuff, <laughs> Shaq, I will pay you Shaq, double to stop it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq. How, how did Dennis Rodman? So there you go. The conversation with uh, Ryan Hollins, Max Kellerman, and Shaquille O'Neal on first take. And now we turn to the great Ryan Hollins, the UCLA Bruin, joins me here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app for, uh, for number two of ten interviews that he does with me. Hello. <laughs> what is going on, brother? If, if you hear a little person laughing in the background, I just got home after about six weeks on the road, and my daughter is not letting me out of her sight. So you're going to have to do this in spite of a little person. Stop it. 
<laughs> we're gonna hear this. We're gonna hear some Ryan Holland's parenting, and I just can't wait for that. I want to see. I want to hear what that sounds like. That's gonna be interesting. You don't get that on first take, pal. That's gonna be great. Oh, sorry. Oh so, 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 Ryan Holland, see, you, there you were on first take uh, today with the icon Shaq. How, I mean, first of all, away from the conjecture. I mean, it's kind of cool to be in the same room with Shaq debating basketball, right? Dude, I was, for one, I'm a guy who's not supposed to be here. <laughs> I was cut from my high school basketball team. Uh, I didn't grow up in a privileged area. I didn't have this big AU program and coach. And literally, man, in, in my backyard, me and my dad would play one-on-one during in, in 1992. And I was, I was... Shaq, and he was Hakeem, and that was the first time I fell in love with basketball. Fast forward some years later, and I'm on TV talking with him. So, I, I mean, for me, just I'm, I'm spoiled, brother. I'm spoiled. That's, I mean, that was that was great television today, man. That was a great conversation. And the one thing that you already know, but I just want to put it out there for the audience, and that is, is that you can you will never be able to debate these Gen X guys if guys have played in the 80s and 90s you can debate them but they're always going they'll never look at today's basketball as as better no you're no you're right about that they they won't see it and you know what I was a guy I was I was a Jordan guy for the longest time I didn't like LeBron I didn't respect him I, I stayed to Jordan and I had to ask myself one day and I was realistic with myself and I said Am I just picking Mike because I don't like LeBron? Am I picking him because of that? I have to. I, I want to be objective. Look at the basketball player, not the person, not the work ethic, not the way he handles his business. But we all can agree that's Jordan there. But when I started to look at LeBron as a player, his impact on the game, the way that he's grown, I, 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 he's my greatest of all time, brother. He's my greatest. Now, maybe clearly not the dominance of Jordan. And if we want to talk dominance, he didn't have the dominance of, uh, uh, not Chamberlain, but Bill Russell. If we want to talk most dominant, that's Bill Russell of all time. Right. So I, I, I'm going to point at the greatest basketball player ever as LeBron James. Is this kind of funny that the, the era's conversation, I, I get this a lot. If I just throw out there, like you said, Bill Russell is the greatest champion that ever was, which is true, by the way, because of all the rings he's had, 11 as a player, 2 as a coach, so he's got 13. They, then, they, then they give us the era conversation. And it's like, well, wait, wait, what, what are they? I mean, it doesn't matter the era. Who's the greatest, right? If you're talking about the, the most decorated champion, but they don't want to hear that. So well, it's kind of funny. Check this real quick. I don't know if you know this. So Will Chamberlain, not, uh, yeah, Will, why am I keep calling him Will Chamberlain and missing all this? Bill Russell came and speaking to us when I was at a rookie, in rookie transition program. Mm-hmm. And when I was in rookie transition, he talked about winning his championships. And he casually throws out, he lost one championship ever. And I'm like, you know, NBA? Because we know that's impressive. He's like, no, college, high school, whatever. It's like a, whatever it was, he only lost one championship. I don't know if people look at what he did in the NBA, but just imagine your entire life. And I was like, I had to ask him, like, how did you deal with that? He was like, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> wow. I was sick. And I came back and won the next year. So, dude, legendary stuff. I, I love that uh, from Bill Russell, the GOAT. It is, it's great. Uh, as we talked to Ryan Hollins with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You get, you talked about the Rockets today, the State Farm Twins. Um, 
So, so how? Where's the drama, man? Between you take a look at what's happening with James Harden and Chris Paul, aren't they better together than separate? This here, here's the deal, and um, uh, obviously anybody's going to be better together. And right now, with Chris Paul's deal, they're stuck together. They're not going anywhere unless James Harden somehow gets traded, and he would have to pull an Anthony Davis for the extent of his contract to be traded as well as he's played, but. Chris has just, he's worn on people, man. And I don't mean to say that Chris is a bad basketball player, but once his game starts to decline and father time stepped in, and obviously, he, you know, he plays old man basketball because he doesn't have the same legs that he had in New Orleans, and, you know, not even with the Clippers. And when your play isn't there, but the way you talk to people and you kind of address uh, your team and, and situations are there, it, it, it wears people down. And, and that's what you saw. And it was a breaking point. And when they lost, when they lost this last year, that team splintered, man. And keep in mind, when James Harden got MVP, they lost in a, in a game seven. Everybody had something to hang their hat on. And this year was a shameful year for the Houston Rockets. And those those little those little cracks or those little those little little deals became big deals. And that's what you're seeing coming out. But. Chris is just very demanding, and, and, you know, physically he cannot, he can't back up the words that he says. And a guy like Harden is probably like, dude, did you just see the season I had and you're going to criticize me? The kids also agree with your opinion. Say what? The kids also agree with your opinion on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly what she just said. Maybe. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one more. I, I want to I find out. I have not talked to you about the Bulls, and there's a reason. They're at number seven. They could, they could go up. They can go back. But it really, to me, Ryan, my, my whole focus is on the roster getting healthy because I don't, as I, as I said earlier, I don't know what this team is unless they're healthy and on the floor. So what do you think is best for the Bulls in the draft and free agency? Development. They've got to stick to a plan because obviously you you know and you saw the disarray that happened at the beginning of the season. And now that this team has come together, Zach Levine has showed promise as one of the most explosive guards in the league. Lori Markinen, and obviously you, when you're talking about health, you're talking about Lori uh, uh, in the way that those guys have developed. So you've got a culture now of hard work. Uh, you've established Levine and Markinen as the guys, and now it's all about development. And, and for me, it's not about tanking. And why do I say that? You got to teach your guys to go and win, or they got to be—they got to be, I mean, livid when they lose. And I mean, it wears on you, bro. It's not like college. You lose in college is a thirty-game season. You lose sixty or, or seventy of your eighty-two games. It—it—it it, it questions the fibers of you as a man, but that helps bring out your greatest successes. So I think this is a team that has to compete, and they've got to fit the culture. And as you draft. You got to get more versatile. You got to get more athletic, and you need outside shooters. My friend, as always, I appreciate. It. I'm not heartless, man. I'm not going to give you the entire segment because you just got home. I won't do that to you, man. I won't let you do the whole segment. I'll let you get back to your family. But I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I will. I will see you tomorrow. Hey, you. you yeah, well, apparently she will see you tomorrow. <laughs> you are a man of your word, brother. <laughs> well, there he is, everybody. There he is. Ryan Hollins with us on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Interview 2 of 10 because it all started here. Your expectation for game four is for the, if, if a healthy clay is good enough to play, you believe the Warriors will win, right? They absolutely win. They absolutely win. I give you like 10 free interviews on the house. <laughs> <They will win. laughs>
Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ten free interviews in the house. That was number two. We'll have number three tomorrow. And I'm still trying to go back and forth and think whether or not I want him on the draft show. <laughs> now, that's only a bit. It's only the busiest show in the NBA calendar. But you know what? A bet's a bet, man. He lost a bet, so he's got to pay his bets. There you go. Now that's, I mean, listen, is that like I put him in a corner? There I was. We were just having a conversation. He said, you know what? If the Warriors, if the Raptors win the championship, I'll give you 10 free shows in the house. So that was number two. Number three tomorrow. And I'm a nice guy because we got two, like three minutes left in the segment. I could have just kept, just, just milked it, you know, let him answer more questions, more highlights. Nah, no, nah, I'm a nice guy. He's with his family, been on the road all these, all this time. It doesn't mean I'm not going to call him tomorrow. So we, <laughs> I, I will do that because a bet's a bet, right? As we're glad that you're with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Um, so, Oh, I'm just in the me- I'm in the mood for Brett Hall just for a second. Glory, Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. I think I got your number, Gloria. Gloria. Thank you, Brett Hall. As a, as the St. Louis Blues win the Stanley Cup, uh, uh, here's a player that the Bulls could be looking at at number seven. And again. I'll, I'll give my official thought on the Bulls draft and who I think that they'll go after. I'm leaning toward Culver. I don't think I'll change my mind on that, but I'll you know, spend another uh, late night looking through the draft like I did last night. But Jared Culver, someone that was in the spotlight during the Final Four, uh, is a, could be a solid player for the Bulls. Here's his profile. Jarrett Culver has had one heck of a year. Play with the chip, compete every single play. His game fits the NBA. He's a lottery pick, and I think he's going to be a top five or six pick. And he, he's a guy that is under the radar on being a truly great talent. Jarrett Culver, Big 12 Player of the Year, and the engine that led Texas Tech to a 31-7 record and a national championship appearance, leading the Red Raiders in points, rebounds, and assists at the ripe age of 20 years old. From a physical sense, Culver has some similarities to Nets combo guard Karis Levert. Although Culver has a more projectable frame at the same age, both stand close to 6'7", with a near 6'10 wingspan and underwhelming reaches. While not identical as players, Culver could play a Levert-like role early on in his career as a secondary shot creator. A former unheralded recruit out of Lubbock, Texas, Culver improved as much as any player in the country from his freshman to sophomore season, vaulting onto draft boards and into the top 10 conversation with his prototype size and do-it-all game. Given his college productivity, feel for the game, competitiveness, and reputation as a worker, Culver is the type of high-floor prospect with the ingredients to, at the very least, develop into a quality NBA starter early on in his career. ESPN's Mike Schmidt on Jared Culver. We'll have more of those profiles coming up on tomorrow's show when we really do a deep dive on the NBA draft and get some opinions out there that you might not have heard. We'll have that for you tomorrow. And of course, the draft show takes place on Thursday live from the Advocate Center in Chicago. Chris Bleck and I will have that draft show for you starting at a special time. 6 p.m. Chicago time for the draft. We'll do a half-hour pregame right into the first pick of Zion Williamson going to the Pelicans, we believe, at 635 right here on ESPN 1000. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is next. I tried to show him. You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yeah. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show him. And the ESPN app. Yeah. 
gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger flame here in sickle mode. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's the Cubs. It's the White Sox. Here's Jesse. Oh, no, Jesse. I'll take care of this. Yes! Eloy with a two-run shot in the top of the ninth. And it's 3-1 White Sox. Oh, man. Pedro Strope on the mound. Hat tilted. And here... Here comes Aloy. And we're watching this during the break. And I was saying, don't give him anything to hit. And he gave him something to hit. I mean, a fastball right over the middle in typical stroke fashion. Not getting the job done. Eloy. Ahoy, Eloy. Jimenez coming through. 3-1 White Sox. Over at Wrigley Field. Hoodie back to you. Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody, there ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here. Chicago here. Jamie on my left. Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app every Tuesday at 930. We'll give you something sports entertainment, something pro wrestling. And today we're going to hear from D'Lo Brown, WWE legend and Chicago Bears fan. We'll get his thoughts about what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. A couple of news and notes for you. The WWE, if, you've, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you might have seen this on some of the quote-unquote dirt sheets. The ratings for Raw and SmackDown have been down. And one of the reasons why, you know, we've had some compelling games for the NBA Finals, uh, but... Now, there is no NHL Stanley Cup. There is no NBA Finals. And Raw was down a little bit. I think down 5%. SmackDown took place tonight, so we see the numbers on that. And it makes, makes you wonder, even if you're top 10 in cable, that's still a good thing. However, there is an issue with creative always. But it seems like it's a little bit more defined these days. And that's the reason why that there's a resurgence, a renaissance in pro wrestling now. In professional wrestling... Not only independent shows that you might have be in your area or in your country or in your state, but AEW, All Elite Wrestling, that's owned by the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the son of the uh, owner. Shad Khan is the billionaire owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but Champaign, Illinois' own Tony Khan, 36 years of age. He loves wrestling, loves it. 
and he's great with the analytics with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and and now he runs AEW that is owned by uh, a, a guy that really loves the business. So some thoughts now from uh, Tony Khan, who is the owner of AEW. He was on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, and they talked a little bit about house shows house shows meaning not necessarily televised show but how many house shows will AEW get i'm just going to pick up the conversation here with tony khan courtesy of podcast one and stone cold steve austin's podcast are you guys interested in being in the house business house show are you guys interested yeah in being like in house i mean business? i'm not no. saying it's like, a good place to lose money i mean because it's not a, it's not my core business focus and i've, I've kind of made it a part of the key part of the business plan is that i don't want to put too much mileage on the top performers by having them perform on shows where it's not going to generate as much revenue where it doesn't make as much business sense to put the mileage on your guys and i also don't want to put out an inferior house show product that isn't isn't the top people so if you do see us do house shows they are going to be top shows with the top people spot which means that we're not going to be doing five or six a week of them so when we get into weekly tv you know i'd like to get in a good rhythm of where we're doing let's say between 100 and 120 shows a year and that doesn't mean every busy man it's pretty busy but it doesn't mean every performer is going to be on every show but it means that you're going to get a, a, a combination of our top performers and every night and uh, I have a big enough roster where people won't, won't have to use every wrestler on every show to deliver a top roster for that show. So I'm not going to have an off-season. People talked about wrestling off-season. There can't be a wrestling off-season. If you're a real wrestling fan, you don't want to take any week off, whether it's the middle of the summer and the hottest day of the year and you want to go inside and watch wrestling, or it's Christmas and you know, or Thanksgiving and you're with your family and you've been together all day and you know, you're know you going to try and sneak in wrestling on the family TV. Wrestling or, season is 24 7 and I totally agree with that. And I, so I, rather than have an off season, I believe like we can and extend uh, the life of the performers by not doing too many events, which is why I'll never have people on the road five, six nights a week ever. It just doesn't make sense. Let alone really, rarely will we have people on the road four nights a week for us. And if, you know, I, I'm going to give people the chance to still do things they care about, whether it's work some international dates or even some indie dates if it means a lot to them because we have the availability in the schedule. And if it's something they want to do with their time, it's good. But what it also allows is stuff that hasn't really happened before where you can have like a main event star like Dr. Britt Baker, top women's wrestler who's literally a doctor practicing doctor and has that career going on while she's on top and like you know she can go and sit you know go she to did the- a great job that's the first time i'd ever heard of her that's the first time i'd ever seen her and and all, well, all those women did a great job in that match yeah they did an unbelievable job and uh they worked her ass off and it was a hard-hitting stuff kenny omega and brandy uh have done a great job of, you know working with me and laying out a uh, plan for the women's division and bringing in international performers and domestically she's like a top top star and uh so you know people always talk about full-time care for wrestlers and we'll, we're you know for most of our people they're working one maybe two days a week and uh it, what it allows is a chance to go out and have either with us a full-time job within the company like a lot of wrestlers have full-time jobs not you know the executive vice presidents but not just uh cody and kenny omega and the young bucks and and brandy is the chief brand officer but a lot of other wrestlers you know working in backstage roles uh working as agents working in talent relations 
relations, working in production and media and, uh, you know, doing a day job. And we'll continue to do that as people, you know, come in and they say like, well, these are my skills. And it's like, well, you know, we can look to hire people and give them full-time benefits in a full-time job because there's a capacity for them to, to work five days a week, you know, while still keeping in shape and getting ready to wrestle. And there's a, they're the great people to do the jobs who loves the wrestling business more than the wrestlers. And there's tons of qualified people. But then also, if you don't want to work at AEW in one of those jobs, you can also go out and become a doctor and be practicing doctor and be on top and work at, you know, in a big match as a top women's wrestler in a top company in the world. So, so a conversation there with Tony Khan, the owner of All Elite Wrestling. For those that, that don't know, I mean, Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Chris Jericho, uh, MJF, Dr. Britt Baker, Chris Daniels, so many are veterans and young talent is all part of this new AEW that's going to debut officially on television in the fall. They're, they're on TNT. They're going to have a two-hour block starting in October on TNT. And also synonymous with um, Bleacher Report as well. So it's interesting time for wrestling all across the landscape. As you're listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, let's turn to friend of the program, Chicago Bears fan, a main black bear by God, D'Lo Brown, the legend, is with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. What's up, D'Lo? What up, buddy? How you doing, dog? I'm doing very well, thank you. I want to uh, get your thoughts uh, about what's the wrestling landscape. What stands out most about the wrestling landscape for you in 2019? Uh, as I see it right now, it, it, the one word that, that, that synonymous with wrestling now is options. Um, come this fall, there's going to be five different programs on national TV for people to have choices and the options. And, and to me, when that happens, all that's going to do is put more eyes on our sport and our business. And that means more fans. So I think the boys benefit and the fans benefit. So to me, options is the word of, of, of what I'm looking at right now. Interesting. Tony Khan. And that was just a portion of the conversation that Tony Khan had with Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast. He doesn't see the house show business initially being the revenue generator. Um, and, and then that's good for the, for the boys and the girls, right? Because no arduous schedule coming off the top. He's talking about 125 shows maybe for the year. I think you can, I think you can do that, right? Let's get you back in there. 125 is a good schedule for you. I don't know if I've got five shows left for me for the year, but, um, <laughs> uh, but I think that's a great schedule for the boys because, you know, what we do is hard on your body and it's taxing. And we have no off season and it's seven days a week. You know, I've done a high of 340 days in a year, which is, you know, that's humping every day. Um, so if he's talking about doing 120 shows, that's great for longevity, for quality of matches. Guys and girls aren't going in there tired. Um, that's going to make her a great TV product. So, I mean, I think that's all around excellent. D'Lo Brown with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Did you get a chance to see AEW's last uh, show in Las Vegas? Uh, I saw some matches up there, particularly Cody and, uh, and Dustin. Uh, I remember texting Dustin right after and was like, dude, be proud of the work you, you two laid down because that was uh, amazing. That's the most emotion that we've seen in a, in a match in a long time. Go out of your way to find that if you have not seen that uh, part of the All Elite uh, wrestling show that took place in Las Vegas, Double or Nothing. Two brothers, uh, and, and one's 35, the other one's 50. And there was a disconnect that they had personally, but everything just seemed to, to work out well. It was a great story and a great story told in the ring. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot, Dila. I thought it was tremendous. It was it, 
to me, it was very old school, reminiscent of the old NWA, that feel of a, a big time match with emotion and great storytelling. And, you know, Dustin is one of the best wrestlers on the planet and, and Cody is right there. And when they put it together with the great psychology and, and the emotion, that, that, that's the match you dream of where I can make you laugh, cry, get scared, feel sorry and happy all in the same 20 minutes. And that's, that's what they did. They put on a, that was one hell of a show, a performance there. Could you tell me about your old employer, the WWE? What I, I know that when you were there, I mean, you're talking about the height of the Monday Night Wars and everybody was fighting for one another to make sure that you had a, a job, you know, the next show. What, is the, what do you think is the, the biggest issue with the WWE at, at this time in 2019? Um, I think it's probably complacency. They, they don't think they felt challenged. And when you're not challenged, you really don't put out your A game. Um, I think as the rest the wrestling landscape comes up, um, even if they're not direct competition, there's just once again there's that word options. It's going to make them raise the level of of, of their work, and um, hopefully they put you know great guys inside creative to create compelling storylines. And you know it, it's not trust me, it's not the talent's fault up there. And that's one thing I will go on a record and say it's not talent's fault. Um, you just need the right compelling storylines. You need the right compelling. Um, angles and that will help people out and that will draw more eyes to the product and uh i just i'm hoping that as as a whole the business is going to rise up because of of competition everybody can't be the world heavyweight champion everybody can't be the world tag team champs i get that but in your era Delo, all these it, it just seems like russo pritchard patterson ross Vince uh, and everybody else that was around there during that time made sure that you got meaningful pl- meaningful television time and got over and and I, it's amazing how you could have a roster of I don't know what it is like 250 people and only one person or two people get over meaning that they're in the in the major spotlight maybe five people get over I know everybody can't be champion but is there is what's the disconnect there why why can't others be able to shine no, not everybody can be champion. That's understood. Yeah. But what ne- what needs to happen is that the the creative needs to make every character compelling. So no matter who goes out there, people are uh, fixated on who's in the ring. You know, I go back to attitude, and I don't hate sound like old man get off my lawn. But it didn't matter if it was Takamichinoku or or myself or Val Venus or Edge or Christian or Stone Cold or The Rock. Everyone as fans were vested in. An individual character. So when you saw a pay-per-view, you didn't buy it for one main event match. You you got eight matches, and it was like, oh, D'Lo Val's on. I can't move. Next match. Oh, the New Age Outlaws and, and Kane X-Pac. Oh, I can't move. And and it was all the way up to, oh, my God, it's Stone Cold and The Undertaker. I, and by the time you realize that you couldn't move, the show is over, and you never got it for popcorn. Right. That's what's missing now is every character is not relevant. Um, they're not given, you don't all have to win. You don't all have to be world champion, but you have to mean something because this is an emotionally invested business. And if people aren't investing in you emotionally, then you've got nothing. D'Lo Brown on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. By the way, Jim Ross, the last couple of weeks on his podcast has been apologizing to you. Have you has someone told you this? I should have texted you to do this. Um, uh, yes, he actually apologized to me at the Colorado Alley Club out here. Did he? Um, he <laughs> Yes, he told me he was sorry about the chest protector. And my response was, um, "JR, you gave me something that made me different, right? And it was up to me to get it over. But you gave me something to stand out, and it it did. And it turned out to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my career. You know, in terms of 
putting me on the map. Now, trust me, I hated the damn thing when it first got. I, I hated the idea. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. I was going to be Johnny Bench. Right. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Um, but then I, I, I sat, you know, and, and between my, my ex-wife at the time, she told me, you know, gave me some advice. And said, with Ron Simmons, um, their both advice was, if you say no, then you never know, and it's your fault. Right. But if you go out there and you try it and it doesn't get over, well, then maybe it's the idea's fault, and that didn't work. But if you go out there and get it over, if you go out there and get a, an idea that's not conventional, you get it over, that shows how good you are. And, and it, Ron told me, hey, even Dusty got polka dots over. And once I heard that, I was like, okay, let's go try it. Let's go try it. Man, it makes sense. You got any indie dates? Uh, I will be up in Chicago uh, October 20th. Oh. Doing some work. I'll be doing some work with uh, Impact Wrestling there. So um, we'll make sure we have to get together. But I'll definitely be up there October 20th. Well, Bears keep, home game, by the way, too. That's, Bears home game. That's right. Just, keep your, just throwing it out there. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep, keep, your, keep your wallet in your pocket, man. I, I got you when you come to Chicago in October. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we'll definitely have to get together, hoodie. All right, brother. I just want to re- reach out and uh, and get your thoughts because it's an interesting time in the business. I know that for sure. You know, it, it's fun. And, and guys, as fans, it's from me to you. Sit back and enjoy. The summer's going to be wild. Wait till the fall when everybody gets cranked up between AEW, MLW, Ring of Honor, WWE, Impact. Just wait. This is, this is a good time to be a fan. It's a great time to be a, one of the talents. And I'm sorry about that chest protector, by God. <laughs> Main Black Bear, by God. I'm going to have to call him and uh, tell him he can stop apologizing. He's a, he's, a CB, he's a CPA, by God. He's a Main Black Bear. I'm sorry for the chest protector. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Buddy, miss you, dog. Talk to you later. All right. There he is, D'Lo Brown, the WWE legend with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Jared Payton, Jordan Cornette, Ryan Hollins, and D'Lo Brown. Show produced by Felix and Sean on the other side of the glass. Don't forget Thursday. NBA Draft Show, live from the Advocate Center, 6 o'clock special time with Chris Bleck and I for the NBA Draft Show right here on ESPN 1000. It's a final now. Yes! The White Sox beat the Cubs 3-1. to Eloy coming through big time. For the Chicago White Sox. And Giolito tomorrow. Uh. <laughs> there you go. That's that's how you end the show. Yes, Felix upset. Giolito tomorrow to stick it up your giggy. Well, there you go, everybody. <laughs> Sox win. Three to one. Yes. See you tomorrow. Jonathan Hood. Oh. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000. Yeah.